Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central podcast brought to you today by Digital Generation and HP. I'm joined now by Michelle Buddy, who is Marketing and Sales Specialist at Digital Generation, or DG for short, uh, for a discussion on the company and the work it does in South Africa's ICT ecosystem. Digital Generation, or DG, tell me a little bit about the company, what your main areas of focus are, and which industries you target specifically. We're an ICT lifecycle management company. We've been in the industry for about 21 years. And technically, we're called a reseller, but we rather see ourselves as an IT partner to our clients. We focus mainly on IT procurement, asset management, logistics, reverse logistics, and cloud solutions. We have clients that start from your startups, your big corporations, from banking, insurance, education, mining, motor industry, and public sector. And how big is the team? Where are your offices located? And do you operate outside the South African market as well? So we are about 200 staff count. We are nationwide. Some of our staff actually sit on premise with our clients. Otherwise, we have big head offices in Cape Town as well as Johannesburg. And then when it comes to outside of South Africa, you know, we recently were acquired by Elviva. So we have that opportunity to leverage the companies that fall under Elviva. And one of those are the Elviva services. So they actually have a prominent space outside of South Africa. So we can partner up with them if it need be. Oh, interesting. Okay. So Alviva Holdings, for those who don't know, is a big IT distribution company in South Africa, by far the biggest, I think. When did the acquisition of DG take place? I think it was about two years ago. We've kind of just sunk in now to the official group and now starting to partner up with other companies to leverage services. Okay. And do you still have separate offices or are there plans to amalgamate into the Alviva offices at some point? Currently, we are all separate. Okay. And the branding is going to stay separate as well? Branding is completely separate. We are our own company. I know you were keen to talk a little bit about Black Economic Empowerment, specifically looking at DG's contribution to be your level one contributor, which is the the top level, right? Yes. DG is a level one, 51% Black woman owned, with a strong belief in local development and empowerment. So why our level is so important is that we have a lot of relationships with the global OEMs Mm. and assist them to have local presence in SA where clients need to partner up with level one BE vendors. Yes. So it's a partnership that works quite well. So what are some of the big international brands that you represent in the local market? We're a platinum partner with HP, but we are partnered with Dell, Lenovo and the likes. We're talking about BE and the importance to global OEMs or original equipment manufacturers to go to market. And I suppose that helps them with their points and securing business here from South African companies and from the public sector as well. But you go beyond that as well as DG. You do local supplier development. You've got internship programs in place as well. Tell us a bit about those. When it comes to supplying kind of in supporting local, an example is when we did our work from home strategy last year, we're not just that IT partner that sells IT equipment. We put together catalogs for our clients that enabled their workforce to make that transition quite easy. So we supply desks and chairs and monitors. So obviously you want to stick with your tier one on your devices, but we actually partnered up with a local supplier and supplied pop-up desks to our clients' workforce that didn't have desks at home and, you know, working from the couch or with their dining room table. So 
we fully support local businesses and with our internship program, you know, we prefer to hire those who were previously disadvantaged and give them work experience and build them up to get to where they essentially want to be. Good stuff. Now, Michelle, I said said at the beginning of our discussion that we weren't going to talk too much about COVID, but I just wanted to get a view of, I mean, obviously this has impacted different industries in different ways. We know that some companies have actually benefited from this in the tech space, particularly. In fact, we see U.S. tech stocks at record levels driven higher by companies that are delivering solutions for work from home environments. I'm thinking things like video conferencing tools, software as a service solutions more broadly. So it hasn't all been bad news for businesses across the board. How has DG weathered the storm over the last 12 months and what impact has it had on your business? We always had this slogan of, you know, we get IT done desktop to data center. And when COVID hit, we kind of changed that and tweaked our little slogan to say, you know, we're going to adapt and adopt because that's essentially what you had to do during that time. You had to work fast to get tech into country, which is one of the problems we had, which was stock shortages. And, you know, there was restrictions to get stock in. There was this huge demand. So the manufacturers had delays You say there were stock shortages. I guess that was because of closed borders and all the rest during the hard lockdown. Has that situation at least started to ease a bit? Yes and no. So we're actually currently heading to another stock shortage just because there's the second wave that's coming. We're trying to get ahead of the game, just like we did in the first wave, and ensure that our stock is on back order and we are pulling in stock a lot quicker to preempt the delays that we had during the first wave. Okay. And in terms of working from home measures, I mean, you mentioned how you've been helping some individuals and some companies deal with the work from home situation. I think IT companies have tended to be better prepared to work from home because just by the nature of the fact that they are tech companies, they have the, mm. the tools of the trade at their disposal and you're dealing with a bunch of techies who probably have high speed internet connections at home as it is. But did you find any difficulties, any challenges in moving DG to a work from home type of situation? And were you able to help your clients do the same? Yeah, so we put our teams right out quite quickly. Obviously, we had done the rollout with the desks and the chairs and that, so we got our teams working quite quickly. But with the massive upsell in technology that we had now sourced and supplied, we were kind of stuck in the security and the asset management issue because now you were having to kind of control tech that wasn't in the office. It was now in someone's home on their network. So trying to manage that was quite difficult because you need a cloud solution now. So when it came to HP specifically, their proactive management solution was an item that we found by adding it to that bundle meant that it assisted the IT departments in that transition from office to home. Okay. Tell us a bit more about this HP solution. It's an add-on cloud asset management tool that you can put onto your device and with the tool, it's not limited to just HP. So if your infrastructure does have other sure. the brand, you can integrate them. So it's an amazing tool that can check everything from a remote aspect and comes in one to five-year plan options. Okay. So how did your conversations with DG's clients change over the last 12 months? I imagine you're not having the same conversations you were a year ago. How have your clients' requirements changed from an IT perspective? So as I mentioned before, we're not in that market now where we're just box dropping. Now it's kind of putting a whole solution together. You're not saying, 
do you want an HP Pro book? You're now saying, you know, do you want the Pro book and this management tool with it? Are you equipped with the security features that are in place? It's, it's completely changed from a, a product to a service discussion. Have you found your clients' priorities have also changed? I mean, I'm sure most of them have got on top of the work from home stuff now and their employees have got the tools in their homes that they need to be able to work remotely. But are you finding the discussions are changing? Are you finding that the priorities of IT departments, of companies has changed? And if it has changed, in what ways has it changed? We're yet to see what 2021 is going to bring. A lot of companies or clients that had, you know, their tech refreshes scheduled for 2021 actually brought it forward to enable their staff to work from home. So 2021, I think, is going to be a lot of discussion about, you know, everything as a service and cloud. Yeah, so getting as much of the stuff off of your own hands as possible and making it seamless and efficient. Exactly. Great. Well, thanks, Michelle. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Michelle Buddy is Marketing and Sales Specialist at Digital Generation, or DG. Thanks so much for your time and for speaking to Tech Central today. Thank you. I'm joined now via the wonders of the internet by Ricardo Duarte, who is a senior technical consultant at HP. Ricardo, take us through your role at HP. What are your day-to-day responsibilities at the company? So my day-to-day is really just to provide technical consultancy and really be a trusted advisor to all of our corporate public sector accounts. I'm the go-to guy for customers to sit down and have open, honest discussions around the enterprise where pain points are lifted and solutions are provided to the customer to resolve. Now, we were chatting before we started recording the podcast this afternoon about uh, the split of HP a number of years ago, and I erroneously called you guys Hewlett-Packard, but you're not called that anymore. You're just called HP, but there, there are two companies now, HPE, which is HP or Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, and then HP. Just take us through the differences between these organizations and uh, what it is HP does versus HP. Thanks for that opportunity, Duncan, because even though we split four years ago as Fortune 100 companies, today we're still sitting down and having conversations like this with our customers. And it's really a split, I think, that was targeted towards HP building an endpoint computing-focused portfolio whilst allowing Hewlett-Packard Enterprise to focus on the servers and storage and cloud software. That's really been a significant split for us. It's been around four years now of pure focus on endpoint computing. And I think what you see within our portfolios really shows a clear focus towards that. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for that. We're coming to the end of what has been an eventful year. What are some of the hot button topics among enterprise clients in South Africa as of November 2020 as the lockdown hopefully, hopefully starts to reach its conclusion? It's been very interesting, I guess, the last eight or so months, and we certainly don't believe it's over by any far stretch as much as we'd like it to be. You know, those conversations have really changed within our customers. You know, they have focused on different needs and requirements as opposed to previous setups. How is HP helping its clients in this work from home environment? And allied to that, I believe you've got some interesting insights into how endpoint analytics can help companies deal with distantly connected users. Absolutely. And I think... Within the changing world of our conversations today, Duncan, is two main highlighted topics. First off is security. Customers today are wanting to have a security discussion as opposed to, you know, what brand notebook do I buy? Instead of asking that, in actual fact, they're asking about which is the safest brand I should be buying for my organization. So security is certainly one point. And the second part is the discussions are going around desktop analytics uh, where customers are really looking at 
getting some more real data points around the endpoint devices, what they're doing, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, and what they're not doing at the moment for the organizations. And that really you know, ties back into customers looking for a you know, best-in-class user experience to also making sure that IT isn't really bogged down too much with the nitty-gritty of resolving issues. So understanding your environment really comes from data points, and data points come out of data analytics. And of course, endpoint analytics is not new, but you know it's been around for a few years. And now I see a lot of customers really looking at that technology to be able to devise a whole lot of strategy changes to say performance requirements that may be needing to be changed in the next purchasable cycle. And those analytic points are really feeding into that discussion. Okay. So give me an example of where you might use this in an organization or how an IT team might put this to practical use. When I have conversations with my customers, there are three teams around those customers that are coming to the table. One is procurement. They're interested in this desktop analytics for one reason, maybe a few reasons only, but ultimately it's really to understand what should I be purchasing next year? Are we purchasing the right device? What do the analytics tell us? Are devices in the red status where they're overheated and burnt out? Or are they still in green where we can kind of leverage that for another couple of years? The second team that comes around the table would be IT operations and support. And they're interested on that tool to really kind of have some quick finds on the data points around the environment. So if they have a blue screen of death that happened across 25 guys in the environment, they would know about it. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And they would be able to, of course, take that data and rework and make sure that they're resolving that so it doesn't really happen the next day and the next day. So, I mean, that's just one example. But they could typically look, and our dashboard, I think, really shows where are the issues within my state right now from an endpoint perspective, be it hardware software and even on a security level we're able to bring forth that information for our customers to work on and be aware of so ricardo what sort of findings are your customers coming up with once they run these endpoint analytics tools what are they finding and what are they doing about it well ultimately they're really finding what is not clear to them with users just logging calls because i think most customers if we ask you how your state is is it in red status is it in green is everything healthy or not you know most of the guys are really looking towards call statistics, right? And, you know, how many calls were logged last month as opposed to this month? And that means we we could be in green. That's a very dangerous move today, knowing how analytics really reports it through. Mm -hmm. So with analytics really is, it's quite clear and cut. I mean, we literally grab data from the endpoint on a kernel level. So we're not looking at your files, really. We're actually just looking at, you know, Microsoft logs, event logs, what's happening on the machine. We also do some special stuff in the HPs. So we do predictive analytics on the HPs. Again, our analytics, and I need to make sure, Duncan, that you clear on this, is not really for just HP machines, right? If you have any other type brand of notebook that's running Windows 10, you could load an agent, and, and that analytics will be obviously pulled through and, you know, pulled into a cloud console for you to view it. So it's not just really for HP machines, which is always uh, news to our customers. They feel it's just for HP. It's really not. In fact, we go so far as even supporting Android and Apple as well, OSs. So we've really looked at this from an agnostic point of view. And that's what our customers really love because a lot of our customers have a mix of environment today and they can't really go for a proprietary solution. You know, they need to look at potentially something that they have three different flavors of devices within the environment. An agnostic platform would be key to look at. You mentioned the importance of cybersecurity, and it has come to the fore with the work-from-home environments. Please take us through how HP differentiates itself in the security space. We really differentiate ourselves by making sure that we secure our platforms from the core. 
And really what that means and translates to our businesses that we're providing product to is for them to, instead of saying, you know, let's look for a, a decent uh, notebook or desktop, for example, let's look for the most secure notebook, the most secure desktop. And that goes a long way because, I mean, traditionally now, if you're looking at security, you know, cybersecurity today is a disruptive force. What we see today is predicted with cybercrime raising up to a $6 trillion problem by 2021. So that's certainly a shocker. They're saying that the average cost of breach is about $3.4 million, which is, you know, roughly 50, 60 million rand. Yeah. And that starts to get to a concern with our customers. We're saying, look, you know, you know it's not a matter of if we're ever going to get attacked. It's when will we actually get attacked? Because yes. an attack, attack is, is going to happen. Right? Yeah. You can never say you stay forever. Yeah. Attack's going to happen. And when that happens, we need to understand that our OEMs that we're working with are also bringing their security pie to the table to say, you know, Mr. Customer, you are buying this brand, but, you know, you're not just buying the brand and the quality, you're also buying a stack of security that's built under the hood that, to, to be honest, it doesn't cost you a cent. It's, it's, it's already there. Mm. So it's really just getting them to, you know, understand the features and benefit from the value that you bring as security really leads our three pillars of innovation at HP. One of them is security. And, and it's really because of the size of the problem that we have. Today, what we see is, three rising tides of security attacks, and one of them being firmware-based, and that's typically where you're having a BIOS rootkit injected into the BIOS table, and that code is below the operating system, and the operating system doesn't really know that it's been tampered with. And that's super dangerous for anybody. It kind of goes undetected. So we offer protection for that at the core and actually embedded on our system, so that makes right. a whole lot of sense and much more difficult to tamper with being an actual chip as opposed to a software agent. Do you have to just patch that firmware on a regular basis or do you have special hardware in your end-user devices that can monitor for vulnerability? Sure. Ultimately, when HP began the journey of, you know, it's not just the device, it's actually, a, it needs to be a secure device, was several, several years ago, I think. Start, for example, which is a copy of your BIOS, which is a, an actual secondary chip on your board. So in the event that your machine starts up and it happens to realize that it doesn't match the master you know, it'll, it'll do a recovery within a couple of seconds, unbeknownst to the user. Yeah. If you don't have that level of protection and something does attack you in that manner on a firmware level, you're not going to know about it. It's going to boot normally into Windows. Windows not going to know about it. And under the hood and below the operating system, you're going to be compromised. And you wouldn't even know. That's the problem. If I mean, if you're compromised and you know about it, there's one thing. If you're compromised and you don't know about it, that's another. Mm. So, you know, our firmware that provide a backup copy as a checkpoint when the machine boots is key to technology. And we, we're the first to market for a number of years where we have our dedicated security on board. While we're on the subject of cybersecurity and malware, what is the malware landscape looking like at the moment? What we've seen is a rise in destructive attacks. So those type of attacks are really there to just break down your machine or thousand machines with a destructive attack, sometimes even using a destructive attack as a cover-up to potential threats or let's say theft of data. So they'll still at first encrypt it and then they'll still destroy the machines. And, you know, so it's evolving into a wildfire out there, Duncan. What we have seen is three to four times more malwares, for example, being released on a daily basis. I think the guys are counting on to 350,000 malwares are released per day. So it's really changed. I think with COVID, social engineering, smishing, all these avenues for the guys to be able to prey on folks that are potentially vulnerable from an emotional perspective, getting into the vaults, particular information is 
on the rise fourfold for sure. They're using the COVID as an umbrella to that and getting the guys to typically click on something that they shouldn't be clicking on or installing something they shouldn't be installing. And I see companies that are left vulnerable. Uh, I think traditional antiviruses today don't really cut what's happening out there from the security threat perspective. Things are evolving in such a manner that they're using machine learning to evolve their malware designs and breach attack levels. So if you're looking at a traditional AV with signature-based, it's going to be a little tough, especially on zero-day attacks. Zero-day attacks are probably the most dangerous because they hit you and you're kind of unaware you're a little outdated potentially and, and it gets through and it just starts causing all that havoc. It is important, I guess, to say that a security stack that stays under the hood on an HP device, and these are the you know the customers that are of DG, for example, that are super interested in this type of technology, not to rip and replace existing security, but really just to add an additional layer of security, I think is important. Multiple layers help the situation against cyber resiliency. We've seen a lot of the customers showing huge amounts of interest to add to those as layer. Under our hood, you know, as HP, we offer standards, you know, this is HP, we think of security. Before we bring out any machine, we first we think of security, making sure that the machine is the securest in the world. And that is actually our statement that we make. But the feature sets around the table really protects you against threats below the operating system, you know, at firmware level. It protects you against threats from a destructive level. And it also has technology included, for example, SureSense that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to detect malware behaviors, especially on the zero-day attacks. So you'll see a lot of tech coming out now that is providing malware protection using AI and MI technologies. Ricardo Duarte is a senior technical consultant at HP, not known as Hewlett-Packard. Thank you for talking to Tech Central today. I really appreciate your time. 